0: Okay, so let's keep diving into some more scripture passages this week and learn a little bit more about um, a different way of practicing prayer. So I'm really excited to be teaching today um, because as I was praying and preparing for this week, my number one prayer and desire is that the Lord would make us people who are excited to pray um, and who are faithful to pray. And I'm not coming to you as an expert. I'm coming to you as like, our church hype girl. Okay. Like I'm like, let's do this. Let's be in this together. Like let's envision what could be if we actually pursue being a prayerful group of people. Um, what would it look like for us to be motivated as men and women, as boys and girls in here to seek God in prayer? And when I just think of the possibilities of that, it pumps me up and I really hope that it kind of gets you excited too. Um, that we would be people who would engage with the Lord and with one another in prayer in such a way that it would not only feel normal to us, but it would feel vital to us. That it would feel like a vital part of our community. That is what um, that is what like my heart beats for. It gets so excited about when I think about us. And so I'm just really excited to kind of just flesh this out together as a community. So, um, as a church, who we say, you know, you hear this all the time, we pursue being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing the things that Jesus did. And so we have been looking the past several weeks at prayer through the lens of Jesus as our example. And we see in Jesus, uh, we see in Scripture that Jesus, who was fully God, who is fully God, he prayed a lot and he prayed often. Um, Last time we were together, we talked about praying for the lost. And so this week, what I want us to do is consider the fact that Jesus prayed for fellow and future believers, meaning that he prayed for you and he prayed for me. And in light of that truth, what does it mean for us as the church to also pray for other believers? Why do we pray for one another? And what do we pray for one another? Prayer is not just something that we do, but it is meant to be a way of life, a way of living. It's a way of actually living out our lives. Praying for others, it puts us in this posture of neediness, of understanding our dependence upon God. And I really do believe that our dependence on God, how we view that, is revealed through our prayer life. Prayer is the privilege of approaching God with expectancy and with hope. Because as humans, we undoubtedly have situations every day, right, that we think we, this needs prayer. Every single day we have that. Every day prayer is necessary. And so what I want us to do today is to believe um, that prayer is not a last resort but rather it's an opportunity to engage in God's faithfulness and in God's power. It's not a last resort, so I want us to shift our thinking, because I think sometimes that's a habit that we get into, is thinking of it more as a last resort. You know, we go through all these different options that we have to solve something, and prayer is not always the first one, and I want to, I want to throw that upside down and rethink it. So that's what I want to do today. So, We all have personal reasons why we don't pray as often as we do, right? Um, We've got fear, we've talked about this before, laziness, um, apathy. Anger, disappointment, forgetfulness, self-reliance. Like we all have reasons why we don't approach God in prayer. And it's important for us to understand those reasons, like to do the hard work, to figure out what it is that is preventing us um, from approaching God in prayer. We need to do that work. And so if you don't know that, seek God this week. Ask the Holy Spirit what it is that prevents you from prayer. Ask yourself, do some time, spend some time thinking through that. Um, But what I wonder, and what I want to ask is, have we lost our wonder that God sees us, that he hears us, that he loves us, that we matter to him? Has God's love become so familiar to us that it's kind of just lulled us into this sluggish apathy? Because that's an honest temptation, Have you lost your wonder that God sees you, that he hears you, and that he loves you? And if so, then I hope that this passage that we're going to get into in John just lights a little match for you today. So we're going to start, we're going to be in a few different spots in scripture, but I want to start with John 17. That's where we um, spent our time last, not last week, two weeks ago in. We're gonna go back to John 17 and we're gonna pick up in verse 22. So this prayer of Jesus, um, this prayer that Jesus is given, is giving, this is right before he begins his journey to the cross. So he prays for himself, he prays for his disciples, the people that are with him, um, and then he prayed for all the people that would one day believe in him. So we're gonna start, I'm gonna read, uh, sorry, in verse 22. Jesus says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. So what does that mean for us here today? It means that Jesus, our King, prayed for me and he prayed for you. He prayed for us. Jesus prays for his people. Let that sink in for a moment. I mean, just the the reality of that truth, that Jesus prayed for you. When a friend prays for us, it's comfort, right? It's a privilege. I feel loved. It's an act of kindness. It is an even greater privilege to me when I think about to know that Jesus, our king, prayed for us. He prayed for us. When I read this, when I read that, I think, you did that for me? Like, you prayed this for me. That just blows my mind. I feel so loved by Jesus in that moment. So this week, dwell on that truth. Dwell on the truth that Jesus prayed for you. Verse 24 in John, it says, um, we see that Jesus says, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. And I read this week that um, this is the only recorded time in in scripture of Jesus using that phrase, I want. And I love the humanity in that, um, that Jesus expresses his desire here in prayer, that he actually says, I want. And what is it that he desires for us? He desires oneness. Um, to see and experience God's glory, for togetherness. What he prays for is that we would have oneness with God and that we would have oneness with other believers. So essentially, his prayer can be summed up by saying, Lord, uh, help them love you and love one another. Jesus knows and through his prayer helps us to know that our most central need is oneness with the Father. His final thought here, his last words of his prayer is that we would be aware and we would be connected to God's love, that we would share in his glory and that we would share in the Father's love, that there would be unity when we are rooted in that. So I love that we get this insight into Jesus's prayer for us here. We see his desire for us, his love and his affection, his tenderness towards us. When I read this, I see that Jesus cherishes his people. He wants good things for us, and he wants us to experience what we were created for. We are meant to experience love and relationship and fellowship with God. So our biggest need is more of God. It's oneness with him. So this prayer that, of Jesus is often referred to as the high priestly prayer, And what do we mean by that? I think we like hear that phrase, but we don't really often stop and think about what that actually means. So in the Old Testament, we know that the high priest represented the people before God. Um, He cared for the temple, um, which was considered God's space on earth. He announces God's blessing over the people. The high priest was the mediator between a person and God. And if you look back, you know, in Exodus, uh, let's see, it's uh, chapter 28, and you read about the priestly garments, you know, what they had to, had to wear uh, that were required, you'll read that when the high priest enters the temple, um, the holy place, he wore over his heart the names of the 12 tribes, the, the tribes of Israel. So the high, the high priest was an Old Testament picture, and Jesus is the reality. He is our high priest who came to reconcile us to God. Jesus prayed or interceded for all who would believe, so today he still carries on that, right? He still carries on in his heart all he calls his own, and he remains our high priest forever, praying for us even today. So if we read in Hebrews, I should have written this. Okay, let's go to Hebrews. I'm gonna, you don't have to go there. if you. (laughs) We'll bounce around just a smidge. Okay, Hebrews 7.23. Let me read this over y'all. Now, there have been many of those priests since death, prevented them from continuing in office, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. He always lives to intercede for us. So it's a comfort to know um, when anyone sincerely prays for us, but take comfort in this, that today Jesus intercedes for us and he saves us. He is the one that is interceding and praying for us even today. So because Jesus loves us so much, because we matter to him, he prays for us. Jesus' example should then encourage us to pray for others. So we're going to take it just a little bit further into what this looks like for us. So as we look to learn from Jesus' prayer, and do the things that Jesus did, we can learn from his role as our great high priest. And here's the truth, we're not just following his, uh, his example because it's a good one, right? Um, but we are following example because we too have been called a royal priesthood. So here's the connection I want us to make about this, okay? So in prayer, we get to re-engage with our original priestly calling. First Peter 2 9 tells us, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. So as our great high priest, Jesus prays for us. But as a kingdom of priests here, we are called to pray for others. So I want to use this term that we're familiar with, probably um, intercessory prayer, And what I mean by that is basically asking God to do something on behalf of somebody else, to mediate or to advocate for another person to God himself. And because we are a kingdom of priests, we have direct access to God. He created a way for others to intercede on our behalf and for us to intercede for others. So when we pray for someone else, we play a priestly role to one another. So take up your calling as a priest. You have direct access to the Father through prayer. And prayer is a way to love God and to love people. God wants to work through people to bless the world. We know this, right? We talk about this all the time. We are blessed to be a blessing. So do you see meaning and purpose in your prayers when you consider your calling as a priest? Um, The Bible Project, they have this great little series they're doing right now um, on the high priest, and um, they put it this way. When we live into our role as priests, all of creation becomes a sacred space where heaven and earth intersect. So when we think about intercessory prayer, this is the place where you've got one eye on God and one eye on earth where you are making a bridge, joining others to God and his kingdom. Through Christ, we get to stand as a conduit between a broken and hurting world and the Lord who is actively redeeming it. As image-bearing priests, we participate in this work of reconciliation. So we have the opportunity to participate in bringing his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, just how Jesus has taught us to pray, So I want to cast some vision right now for praying for others. So let's imagine for a minute here that we are a praying church, like we regularly and consistently pray for one another. Now, I hope that that's true, and it's not a huge stretch of the imagination, but um, what could be or what is the result of being a praying church community? What are some things that come to mind when you think about what would it look like for us to be a praying church community? What is the result of that? we will discover what it is. I believe that we will discover it, but I'm going to tell you it is what what it does is it gets to align our hearts with God. It cultivates friendships among us. That's huge. Like I actually want to be in church with like my friends. You know, I don't want to seek out my friends and come together, but I want my church community to become like a place of deep friendship and love and affection for one another. Prayer has the opportunity to cultivate that. We get to witness answered prayers. How much joy did we all have when Ashley got to come up here months later and share and proclaim that it was through prayer and for knowing her believing community was praying for her and brought healing. Like that was amazing to get to see and experience that. It shapes our attitudes as a community of putting us in a posture of humility and of worship. It creates connection among each other. There is so much that is possible when we are a church who is actively praying for one another. Opportunities for prayer are endless, right? Um, So will we be intentional about not letting those opportunities to pray slip away? I believe that community and unity, therefore, will develop as believers pray for one another. You want to be connected to somebody, you pray for them. Initially, it might feel awkward. I know that for some, this is a stretch. Like, this is asking a lot to pray for other people and to pray with other people. I get that. And to that I say, just plow right on through. It's okay that it feels awkward. It is really okay if it feels awkward. God's going to grow that in you. It won't always feel hard. I say this a lot like with the kids when they're talking about like, oh, I can't do this. I just say, you can't do it yet, you know? And so when we think about prayer and praying for others, that might feel like a really hard or awkward thing. And to that I say, it won't always feel like a hard and awkward thing. We can trust the Holy Spirit to grow something in us. Pray in the moment. Have you ever gotten a text from someone asking for prayer and you said, yeah, I'll, I'll make sure to pray for you. I'll pray for you. Okay, what if, instead of saying, I'll pray for you, what if you actually just texted a prayer? Like that, it isn't like I feel like at this point I'm gonna to start to say some like really simple um, things, but I just feel like the clarity of talking about prayer is really helpful sometimes. Um, persevere in prayer. Ask God to show you how to pray for others, and trust that God hears the prayers of His people. So, what do we pray for others? So, if we go back to John 17 and see how Jesus prayed, He prayed for oneness. He prayed for oneness with the Father. He prayed for us to see and experience God's glory. And when you interact with scripture, when you read in the New Testament, you see that Jesus prayed to bless children. He prayed for people's faith. He prayed for healing. He prayed for others in pain. Prayer was a natural response for Jesus. So do we notice the needs around us? When someone shares with us, does it cross our mind to pray for them? Are we too busy to pray for the needs around us because we're trying to meet them ourselves? Prayer is not our last resort after we have tried everything else first. We rely on him to help others. And our dependence on God is revealed when we do that. So we want to be a church Um, where we see people healed, where others are set free, where chains are loosed, where glory is on display, where reconciliation happens, where unity happens, um, where people make attachments to God, where forgiveness is experienced, for God's kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven. But it starts with prayer. And could it be that we don't actually believe that? When we fail to value prayer, we ignore the lifeline that we have been given. But what is our hope in? What is our hope in after all? Hope in God who came to us first, who responds to us in prayer. So I want to give you an image from scripture as we imagine what it actually looks like to pray for each other. So I'm going to read in Mark um, chapter 2. If you want Okay, I'm going to start, read verses 1 through 5, and then skip down to 10 through 12. So just, ima- just imagine with me with this, okay? All right, so, uh, where am I? So many gathered that there was, uh, they're gathered together, Jesus is Jesus there, the people heard that he had come, they gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paral- paralytic, carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. And drop down to verse 10. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. So these followers of Jesus showed love to their friend and faith in Jesus. They physically brought their friend and laid him at the feet of Jesus. Like they had to do something wild at that moment, right? They had to lower him through the roof to lay him at the feet of Jesus, asking him to heal them, to heal this man. That's what I want us to imagine when we go before the Lord in prayer on behalf of another person. We are carrying that person's needs, that person, that person to Jesus. We are ushering them into the throne room and asking for their needs. We bring people to Jesus and say we heal them, protect them, save them, provide for them, show them you, meet their needs, give them more of you ask without hindrance, ask with boldness. The good news is that God knows when to say yes and when to say no. And just because God doesn't always answer it how we want, it should not diminish our asking. Could it be that God actually wants to do more if we ask? What if we actually prayed bigger prayers for each other? What if the friends of the sick and hurting man did not think it was worth the effort to do what they did? What if they did not think it was going to work and they didn't do it? What if they just thought that was just too wild, too crazy, too much to do? Instead, they actively loved this friend by carrying that friend into the presence of God And they expressed love of God by actively expressing their dependence and need on him by believing that God could heal. So pray in confidence with this image in mind as a priest entering the throne room to speak to God. Because that's who we are. We need others to help us. And when we pray for others, when we pray with others, it is a place of ministry. It's an opportunity to minister to a hurting person. So again, think back to this prayer that Jesus gave in John 17. Think about this. He prayed that in front of his disciples. Jesus deliberately allowed them to hear and receive comfort and truth through this prayer. In his prayer, Jesus received strength and joy before heading to the cross. He knew what was coming and the disciples, they heard words of comfort, an assurance of being one with God. I talked to a friend the other day who, she, who said that she, every night when her kids go to bed, she prays over them. You know how sometimes parents, you can kind of like manipulate your prayers to kind of like get in like a couple of like last minute lectures or, you know? <laughs> um, she said, I, she tries, she resists that. She says, I want them to fall asleep knowing the truth of God, knowing how much God loves them, how much God cares for them, how much God sees them. She says, that's what I pray over them. Pray over the truth. Pray over others the truth of who they are. Not only does that prayer bring glory to God, but it ministers to the heart and the soul of the listener, and that is powerful. So how do we pray? I think it matters that we do discuss the how. Um, We don't want to be people who hear something and then do nothing. And that's a real temptation. Um, So I'm going to get practical for a minute. How does it look like to actually practically live out this calling? In any spiritual practice, there's preparation involved. We talk about this, right? If you're reading scripture, Sabbath, giving, giving, Um, praying, it all requires some level of thought and preparation. There are certainly times when I know that I should work out, right? Um, Or I know I should wake up early. What do I do to make those things happen? Will they happen on their own? No, I I can tell you that right now. It doesn't happen if there's not a plan in place. I have to put thought into it. If I want something to change, if I wanna pick up a new habit or a new rhythm, I need a concrete plan of action. And that's that's just a fact. That's just, like, the way humans are. Um, Dallas Willard has this quote about saying, we must make plans for righteousness. I love that. But we also have to be reasonable, okay? Because if I tell myself, self, okay, starting tomorrow, guys, I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. every day, and I'm going to go straight to the gym. I promise you by Tuesday that won't happen, <laughs> okay? Um So we want to stretch ourselves, right? But we also wanna do something that is obtainable. Um, So when it comes to praying for others, it is so good and wise to pay attention to the Holy Spirit, to follow those prompts to pray for in the moment when a friend unloads a burden. To follow that nudge to reach out to somebody and check in on them and see how they're doing. To pause and pray for someone as their name crosses your mind. Those are important moments to notice and follow. And also, make a plan. If you're like me, I get super excited to pray for other people. And I, all of a sudden, like, I will have like a hundred names and I'm like, okay, these are all the people I want to pray for. My family, you guys, uh, my kids, teachers, other people that I serve in ministry with. And then I go from being really excited and intentional to really overwhelmed and like, I can't do this. Okay. Um, So make a list, but make a reasonable one. Maybe you've got a few different categories. Um, Maybe you've got people that you pray for weekly. Maybe you have a couple of people you make sure you pray for daily. Write it in your journal if you do that. Put it on a note card, take a little index card, write some names down. Put it in a spot that you'll engage with, whether it's sticking it on the dashboard of your car or the mirror in your bathroom, putting it in your Bible before you open it. Um, Make it easily accessible. Maybe it works to set a reminder on your phone. Think of all the notifications that you will so quickly and easily respond to. Uh, maybe you make pray a notification. Maybe you actually have specific names that pop up throughout the day. That's like a reasonable thing I think we can do. My kids have always enjoyed writing names on popsicle sticks we put it on a little mason jar and we'll grab one out. Um, and that's just like a really sweet and simple way of engaging the kids in this um, this practice. What we want to do is build a prayer muscle, and that requires consistency and diligence. So maybe you have your list, you've made a list, you need to find your time. Whether it's waking up early while it's still dark out and you're not, the day hasn't begun, or maybe it's getting in bed 10 minutes earlier than you normally do, pray in the shower when there's nothing else to do and you can't be distracted by anything else, or drive in the car, um, have a time in your drive where you're not listening to music or a podcast, like carve out those intentional spaces in your day. A friend told me the other day, I love this, she said um, every time she vacuums, she prays out loud. And that's just like part of her rhythm of chores. Like when she's vacuuming, she prays out loud. I love that. Like she has captured that like mundane task as something that is for the kingdom. Like that's amazing to me. It's so good to respond as the Holy Spirit leads in our day. And it is also so good to have a consistent habit that is built into our days. And your prayers don't have to be long. This feels silly to clarify, but I think it's helpful to hear that, right? That your short prayers are still really effective, and Jesus actually encourages that. So it's okay um, to remember, it's okay to be these short prayers. You don't have to go and lock yourself uh, away and pray for half the day if that's not what makes sense to you. Um, Short prayers are still very effective prayers. So pursue a habit. And also stay open to the Holy Spirit. Prayer is not a duty, but it is a delight. It is simple, but it is powerful because it is divinely effective. Prayer brings us into the presence of God so we can pray in faith for others and we can trust in Him. So I want to take a moment to reflect as we go, as we take time for communion. So ultimately, um, Ultimately, Jesus frees us to trust a power that is greater than our own. So as we cry out to him for others, we are not informing God of something that he does not already know, but rather we are declaring our trust in God as the provider, as our king. God hears, he cares, and he acts on behalf of those who humbly and sincerely seek him in prayer. And it also does matter that we remember that one of God's attributes is that he is mysterious. And I feel like I have to remember that every single time that I start to think about prayer. I have to hold that in my hand as well, that he is mysterious and there is so much mystery to prayer. We don't know why some prayers are answered just as they are asked and some prayers aren't. But when I look to the cross, I remember that God—I remember God's great love for me and I remember that I can trust him because I am loved by him and he is a good, good God. So consider this, who are you becoming? Do you see Jesus expressed through your prayers? Jesus made his love known to us by his own prayer that we see in John 17, by his own life, by his own death, and his own resurrection. He made his love known to us. So as followers of Jesus, we remember his love by the sacrament of communion. We remember that ultimately we are freed from the pressure that this is all on us. Prayer invites us to remember what Jesus did on the cross for us and what he will do in and through us. So as we take the bread that represents his body, we remember the sacrificial love that he displayed so that we might also sacrificially love as well. So take and eat. And the cup reminds us of his blood, his blood that was poured out for us for our sinfulness so that we may be forgiven. And as forgiven people, we have access to God through Jesus, our great high priest. So we take the cup and we thank God that our dependence for life is on him. So take and drink. And my sincere hope is that we seek communion with the Father through Jesus, the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we follow the great high priest, his example, as we lean into our own calling as a kingdom of priests, as we pray and seek and mediate on behalf of others to Jesus. So let's pray. God, I thank you for your great love for us first. God, thank you that you are a God that desires us to approach you, that you desire us to ask, to seek you. And when we do, Lord, we we develop a relationship with you of dependence. God, I pray that you would make us prayerful people, people who see... Who, use, who see prayer as vital to our livelihood. God, I pray that we would delight in prayer, that we would delight in praying for each other. And Lord, we just ask that you connect us in that way. You shape us to be men and women, boys and girls, who seek you on behalf of others. And we ask these things in your name. Amen.